0: Welcome to the Liberated Latina podcast, your space to be activated and elevated so you can become a sought after coach online. I'm your host, Daisy Lopez. Visibility coach helping amazing women of color coaches reclaim their voice and have a pop-in and profitable online presence. Visibility is so much deeper than just strategy and mindset alone. Here you'll get the concepts and tools that will amplify your message and catapult you as an irresistible choice in your niche. The time for women of color leadership is here. Ready? Of course you are. Let's dive into the episode. Hello my beautiful ladies welcome back to the Liberated Latina podcast and welcome to this guest interview episode of the Liberated Latina podcast. I am so excited for you to be introduced to Lauren. She is a business mindset coach and she helps coaches sign their first or their next paying client so they can finally get their coaching business off the ground. Lauren and I met in a mastermind. Late in 2020, and it had been such a while since we had connected. So it was really cool to just see how our businesses have continued to unfold and just connect with her. And in this podcast, I'm really excited because she has a really cool story. She was actually a model and she moved abroad at a rather young age. And we talk about kind of her journey in the modeling industry and what that journey looked like for her to exit out of that industry and start working for herself and now have her own successful coaching business and her wisdom in some really powerful mindset prompts that you can start using to start shifting some of the thoughts that may be getting in your way and sabotaging your results in your business. So I'm really excited for you to meet Lauren and for you to hear more about her story and just get her wisdom. She has a really beautiful way of coaching around mindset that I'm really excited for you to hear. So, without further ado, let's go on in to the interview. All oh, right, my loves, I am so excited to bring Lauren here onto the podcast. And honestly, it was a really beautiful way that we reconnected. We Lauren and I were in a mastermind together end of 2020. Me? Yeah. yeah. And we've just like, I've, I've kept an eye on you and I've always like, just really love the valuable insights that you share. And I'm just really excited that we're able to finally work this out and you can come and share your genius on the podcast. So thank you for being here.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to dive into today.
0: Yes. So before we dive into all things mindset, I love your story and how you actually started out as a model The modeling industry can be kind of brutal (laughs) and i'm really curious as to what that type of experience was like because you were like going everywhere like you were like in tokyo and really traveling the world as a model right
1: Mm, yeah. yeah
0: so i'm just really curious about what that what being in that world was like and if there were any major just personal discoveries that you made any breakthroughs that you had and how do you see that helping you now in the entrepreneurship space?
1: Yeah, well, I started in the modeling industry back when I was 14. So I got picked up in a shopping mall. I was doing a like modeling competition. And back when I was 14, I had braces. So I came in second place, but a local agency in Seattle contacted me and you know, they said, it's great to start local, like, you know, you want to come into the agency and everything. And so I signed at 14 and over the next couple of years, you know, I was kind of like finding myself, I got my braces off and everything. And then I started traveling internationally for modeling and taking on international modeling contracts at 17. So my first trip abroad was when I was 17 years old to Singapore. And I lived there for three months. And from there I did Shanghai, China. I did Hong Kong, the Philippines, Thailand. And at that time, I was also, you know, I was still graduating high school. And then I did two years in college. And so I was always flying back and forth between Asia and the US to study or to be with my family and everything. And I was also modeling in the States as well. So, you know, I was really in that world for probably seven or eight years. And you know, looking back, it was never something that I thought I was going to get into. I never had this goal to be a model, but I quickly fell in love with it purely because it allowed me to travel. And I really loved that. So, you know, looking back at my time in the modeling industry, it was, it was amazing. I had some amazing jobs. I traveled to some amazing locations. But at the same time, it was, it was really hard working in the industry, especially when I started when I was 14 and then took my first trip abroad at 17. So my mom traveled with me over to Singapore, but then she left me there, you know, and I was living in a model, model apartment with a couple other girls who i never met before. I was, you know, really by myself. I had to find my way around the city and, you know, going to castings and everything It was very hard and, you know, I had a really great time in Singapore. It was a really great first trip, but you know, I remember being in Shanghai, China the next year and I could not stop crying. Like the first week of being there, I was like, I, I don't want to be here. I I had such a culture shock and I remember being like going to castings there and we would just stand in the line. There was like 10, 15, 20 girls and maybe guys too. And we would stand in a line and, you know, they're speaking in Chinese. I have no idea what they're saying. Most of the other models are either Brazilian or Russian. Like nobody, nobody can really speak to anybody in this situation, but the casting director is just there and just pointing at you and just looking at you and saying, you know, basically yes, no, kind of looking up and down at you. And it was it was hard. It was, you know, the biggest lesson that I learned from working in the modeling industry was how to deal with rejection, <laughs> you know, and sometimes it was in your face where a casting director was, you know, yes, no. And, um, but then other times it was not in your face. It was, you know, you went to a casting and, you know, you maybe never got a email back from your booker. Um, and so yeah, that was the biggest lesson that I definitely took away from, the modeling industry was how to deal with rejection.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, just the level of like personal strength too, to, cause I mean, I went away to college, but I was six hours away and I was still in the state of Florida. <laughs> but even <laughs> then, like, I, I, I know that sinking feeling when they drop you off and you're looking around you're like, what am I doing here? And I can't even imagine, I mean, in a completely different culture and a completely different country and having to figure out how to navigate all of that and not speaking the language. So I just, I I really am in awe of like your level of, I can just imagine the level of just self-trust that you cultivated through that, because in those moments you really have to rely on yourself, right? And, and kind of like get yourself through. So I'm curious if, were there any specific moments where you, you found yourself just having to give yourself that pep talk? Like What did that look like for you to not get on the first flight out of there and go back home? Because that's, that's the, that's the route that I feel like a lot of people would have taken, especially at that age.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I had many, many moments throughout the years where I had to really sit with myself. I I might've been bawling (laughs) and I really had to talk myself through, you know, what was happening um you know when i think back to living in shanghai china i i did i i really wanted to go home i remember calling my parents and my mom was in tears because i'm in tears and you know for her as a mom seeing her little girl halfway across the world knowing that she can't really do anything it was really hard for for me and also my family and you know i had the ability to to leave they said you know you can you can leave um if you want to and i kind of just really sat with the decision if i if i wanted to leave or not and i think why i also wanted to leave was because this was the year in between of me graduating from high school and then going off to college so you know i i was seeing all my friends and everything hanging out together and enjoying the summer and i really wanted to be a part of that but what kept me there and what made me decide to fulfill those those 90 days, that contract that I signed was knowing that this was a trip of a lifetime and knowing that it wasn't going to be easy. And there was, there was moments on my first trip in Singapore that wasn't easy as well, but I just knew that this was going to be a trip of a lifetime. There was things for me to to experience. And, you know, I thought about going home and I just knew that, that there was something here for me. And so that's why I decided to, to stay. And, you know, it, it was really hard. It was a, a, it was a roller coaster (laughs) of a three months, but, you know, looking back, I really feel like that was such a pivotal moment in my life and really is what built so much a part of who I am today and, you know, how I've continued to travel and I I still live abroad to this day and that in itself isn't easy either, but But, you know, all those lessons and and what I learned in staying, especially on that contract in Shanghai is how I am, who I am today.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. So what was that journey like when you were thinking about transitioning out of the industry? Um, And I know you've talked about before making the decision to not continue in college and kind of forge your own path in that way. like. It's just so cool. You're such a freaking trailblazer. It just in how you live your life. Um so what was what was that transition like when you were kind of deciding to you know your other options outside of that industry and, and making those bold decisions of not con- choosing not to continue going to college and and going into the online space.
1: Yeah, so I kind of knew from a young age so both my parents still today have very traditional nine to five jobs they work for the state of washington and growing up i think i just always knew that that was just not the life for me not that there's anything wrong with that but i just knew knew that there was something more for me and so when i started traveling and living abroad and you know modeling i was introduced to so many different people doing so many different things that i never even knew was possible And so when I went off to college, I lasted two years and I actually, in that time took another trip. I went over to Hong Kong for a modeling contract. And when I got back to my college, I just decided, I said to my parents, I'm going to take a gap year. I don't want to be at this college. Um, I want to, you know, be back in Asia traveling and modeling and they reluctantly let me go. (laughs) I still remember to this day going to the administration's office and I said I was dropping out and they asked me if I was going to be back and I said, probably not. (laughs) And my gap year turned into two and I eventually went back. Um, But I went back to a different college and then I was on that campus for a year and I was like, this is, this is not where I want to be. And so I didn't drop out. I actually was able to transfer my degree to be online. And so I actually went back to Hong Kong and finished up my bachelor's degree while I was living in Hong Kong. And as I said, I always knew that getting a nine to five job was just not for me. And so when I was living in Hong Kong, just before knowing that I was going to be traveling back to Seattle to graduate, I decided to book a one-way ticket to Bali. (laughs) And I, I decided I wanted to start working online. I I started dabbling in, you know, being a digital nomad and this whole location independent, you know, lifestyle. And I just became obsessed and I knew that the place for me to go was to go to Bali. And so I booked a one-way ticket knowing, knowing that I was not going to know anybody there. I was, I was basically again, traveling there by myself, but I knew that through all the experiences I had in the past of traveling and living abroad, through my days modeling, I knew that, you know, going there for four months, I wasn't going to be alone that whole time. And, um, you know, that's where I did start working online and, and really, again, that was a really pivotal moment in how then I started my coaching business, I think a year or two later and how, you know, I am continuing to do what I do today.
0: Mm -hmm. Dang goals I'm here like considering if I ever want to do like a solo trip and you're like one-way ticket to Bali check (gasps) I love that so much it's the inspiration I needed honestly (laughs) so when did your love of personal development come in was that something that kind of accompanied you as you were doing all your travels and kind of going into the online space like when did that when did that come up for you
1: yeah. So I think it was in that, that year that I was living in Hong Kong just before I was about to graduate. And it was a really, you know, life was changing for me at that time. I was, I was studying full-time while living in Hong Kong, but also modeling and also deciding what I was going to do with my life next. I, I always knew that modeling was never going to be a forever thing for me. So, you know, I remember one day I just decided to go to the books sh- bookstore in Hong Kong, never been there before. And I remember Googling like bookstores and I went to the bookstore and I went to the personal development section (laughs) and I picked up my first personal development book. And from there, I just started continuing to read personal development books. I started listening to Ted talks and, you know, inspirational YouTube videos and just really all the things. And, I started taking notes on the books I was reading. I started taking notes on the Ted talks that I was listening to and spending time as well, you know, answering some of the questions and just spending time with myself thinking about how does this relate to me or what are my thoughts about what this person is talking about and really just allowing myself to just expand my mind to, you know, different perspectives and you know things that people were offering and I kind of just continued going from there and and continuing to dive into all that.
0: Mm, I love that because it's kind of like you're doing an inner exploration where you were externally also exploring the world.
1: Mm, yeah. That's absolutely. so beautiful.
0: So when did mindset come in? When did you when did you stumble stumble across the power of mindset? And how did you make the decision that that's what you wanted to coach people on full time.
1: So when I first started coaching, I, I don't even know what I was coaching on. I think I was doing like productivity or something like that. I think I was helping my clients, like be more productive, set up workflows in Asana and, you know, use Google calendar to time block and all these things. And With my clients and then also in my experience, then starting my coaching business, I knew that a big aspect that was missing for them, but also for me was, you know, mindset. And, you know, I I really saw that my clients had, you know, the strategies, they had the workflows, they had the productivity hacks and all the things, but if their mindset wasn't there, if they didn't believe in what they were doing and, you know, they were, they didn't know how to manage their mind. And especially for me as well, like I, I knew for me, if I didn't know how to manage my mind, nothing externally was going to actually help me get to where I wanted to be, or help me create the results that I wanted. It, it could, but it was going to be a very, you know, upward hill climb. And I, I really wanted to find how it would, how I could allow myself and also my clients to create the results that they wanted with more ease.
0: So good. So I know that we, I I know a lot of people hear it online, right? Like your thoughts create your results, your thoughts create your results or your thoughts create your reality. How is that really true? Because I feel like it's something that we kind of take as like the Pinterest worthy quote. We're like, okay, yeah, it sounds great. But honestly, if we were to look underneath the hood, how does that actually play out? How do our thoughts actually affect our internal landscape that then creates our results?
1: Yeah. So I think it's so important to remember that, yes, your thoughts create your results or yes, your thoughts create your reality, but there's so much more that's happening there. Right. So when we think about your thoughts, create your results, we have to think about your thoughts also then create your, how you feel, right? Like the emotional state that you are in. And from there, you take certain actions, right? Or you react in a certain way or you're in actually in action, right? Because of the thoughts that you're having and how you are feeling. And then that creates your results. So yes, your thoughts create your results but your thoughts also create your feelings and from your feelings that creates your actions and your actions then create your results. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think it's so so easy to kind of, kind of like bypass all of that and a lot of times one of the first symptoms that we do feel when we know we have some intentionality to add back into our thinking is our feelings and and the symptoms that we kind of feel in our body like you know tears are a symptom or anger or frustration or overwhelm right we hear that one all the time that people are feeling very overwhelmed and that causes them to take certain actions or not take certain actions and then that's what the results that they're kind of seeing at the end of the month. Um, Mm -hmm. So what do you find are really powerful tools for people that are wanting to be a little bit more intentional about what they're thinking and how they're navigating in their businesses, but they might, they might kind of get stuck in those emotional spirals.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I do a lot of thought work with my clients, but I also help them really tune into how they are feeling. For some people, they're more aware and they can identify, I'm noticing myself having this thought versus some people, you know, can really connect with how they're feeling. They just know I'm feeling stuck or I'm feeling frustrated or I'm feeling overwhelmed. And so we'll start there and we'll then identify, okay, you're feeling overwhelmed. What is the thought or thoughts that are creating you feeling overwhelmed? And then they you know, they learn and they develop the skill of being more aware of their thoughts. So then they can kind of, you know, identify more easily. What is the thought that I'm having that's creating me feeling overwhelmed? And one of the questions that I have my clients think about, and I think is so important to remember, especially when we think about our thoughts is, you know, our thoughts are just sentences in our mind. They are not facts. They are not ultimately true. So I'll always ask my clients and I'll have them spend time thinking as well of, you know, the thought that they're having or that they're noticing is asking yourself, is this ultimately true, right? Like, is this actually a fact? And 99% of the time it's not (laughs) right. But we think it is. And we spend a lot of time really truly believing whatever the thought is like, that is a fact. And I think it's also really important to be able to separate the thought that we're having and so I'll have, I'll prompt my clients and they'll spend time thinking about this. And um, for all of you listening, you can also, you know, ask yourself this question of, I'm noticing myself thinking, dot, dot, dot. Right. And so all, and for my clients as well, like start at the top of your journal or a top of a page and say, I'm noticing myself thinking. And just sit there and just allow yourself to, you know, become more aware of, What are the thoughts that you're having? Or even just, you know, I'm noticing myself feeling as well. And it kind of helps us separate from, you know, having a thought and believing that, you know, our thought is a fact and it's, you know, ultimately true. And just simply noticing, like I'm noticing myself having this thought. I'm noticing myself thinking whatever the thought is.
0: That is so key. That separation really is so powerful. And I mean, I've even noticed myself noticing myself (laughs) just because it it is so easy to, um, to feel like you're in the middle of the spiral or you're in the middle of the emotion. Like I am this emotion or I am this thought. And that's when we can kind of feel like we're losing our power to, you know, things that we're thinking and things that we're feeling. And we just feel like we're at the mercy of all of that. But even just um, so for so for me, sometimes I notice myself getting really easily distracted or like I'll want to go into one task. And then my brain's like, nope, we need to go do this other thing. We need to go do this other thing. And something that I just started doing is like, oh, huh, I'm noticing my brain wanting to do that thing where we want to balance 500 things at once. Interesting. And just with that, it gives just enough separation and with that gap it at your, there's space for intentionality, right? So once you're like noticing it, then it's like, oh, okay, now I can make a decision from an intentional place of how do I want to react to this? Um, mm-hmm. so I love that you mentioned that because I think it's, it's really simple, but it's very powerful to kind of give ourselves that space of, I am not this thought, I am not this emotion, but I can just simply witness what's happening in my internal environment.
1: Yeah. And I I love what you said too of like noticing yourself, you know, doing something and saying to yourself, like, oh, interesting, like, interesting that I'm wanting to do this. And I think from there, it's, you know, we can kind of be playful with it, right? Of like, oh, this is interesting, right? Versus like, oh, I shouldn't be thinking that or I shouldn't be doing this. Oh, I know better, right? And like shaming ourselves or guilting ourselves or putting ourselves down. It's just like, oh, Interesting. I'm wanting to do that again. Okay. Let's, let's look at that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Shame is a big one, right? Especially as yeah. coaches, we think that when we catch ourselves in certain things, we're like, no, I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be saying that. I shouldn't be thinking that about myself, but it's like, as, as if we are allowing ourselves to calm the shame down and just simply notice again, it's like such a powerful shift to, cause then you're back in the driver's seat versus feeling like you're at the whim of everything that's yeah. going on. Um so I have a, I have another question for you because I know people often think okay so now that I'm noticing how can I shift this into more intentional thinking like okay great I'm no I'm I'm doing my thought download I'm doing my brain dump and a lot of times people with journaling they're like how do I where do I go from here now that I've unloaded where do I go from here so what are some of your like favorite exercises or just prompts maybe to start shifting once you kind of declog the pipes of what's currently going on what are the steps that they can take to start shifting into more intentional thinking
1: yeah so I have two questions here one I love asking myself and recently this is what I've really spent spending time thinking about is what am I forgetting to think so when you do a thought download or you do a brain dump of all the thoughts that you're having, and, you know, you might be noticing thoughts like, you know, can I really help this person or, you know, no one's booking calls with me or whatever it is like unintentional thoughts. You want to ask yourself, what am I forgetting to think? And from there, what I think is also really important to, to know is once you find these thoughts, how you can then start integrating them and really practice thinking them is using those mini moments throughout your day. When you do start to notice yourself in unintentional thinking and thinking thoughts that don't serve you and practice thinking the thoughts that you do want to practice thinking, right? Like there are people out there who want to work with me or, you know, whatever the thought is. And I love sharing with my clients of, you know, just using those mini moments, like, each moment that you do notice that just using that moment to shift your thoughts. And, you know, I think it's also important to remember that, you know, sometimes it is a little bit more work to intentionally spend time thinking thoughts that do serve us, that are going to help us create the results that we want. But the reason, the the reason why it's just a little bit more work in the beginning is because our default thinking and going to our unintentional thinking and thinking thoughts that don't serve us is so easy for us and it's so automatic. So of course, spending time thinking thoughts that do serve us and that are going to help us create our results, the results that we want is going to take a little bit more effort and a little bit more energy, but in the longer term, it's going to serve you so much, so much more. So the other question that I'll share is spending time thinking I love this question because it, it really helps you think about the goal or the result that you have. And also think about who is the type of person that could create that result or achieve that goal. So, you know, maybe your goal is to sign one client this month. So asking yourself, who is the type of person that could sign a client this month? And then what can I do today or this week to practice being that type of person? And again, this is really going to help you shift from result-based thinking to identity-based thinking.
0: Mm, That is really powerful.
1: That is really powerful.
0: I love that question. And it's also, for me, it feels just energetically less graspy of like, okay, I have this goal. What do I need to do? Or what do I need to fit? Well, like, it's like less pressury of it's it's to your point right like it's less about I need to get this result that I don't have, but it's more mm. about bringing it closer into your body, like bringing it closer into your awareness. So it actually energetically, just thinking about that thought doesn't feel like I have to go out and force something to happen, but yeah. I can just embody it more and more and more. And we all we all know how manifestation <laughs> works from that energy,
1: right? Yeah. And it's really just, you know, practicing being that type of person who can create that result. Right. So Mm -hmm. if the type of person who you think can create the result that you want, maybe like signing, you know, one client this month is someone who's confident, right? Like confident in who they are and what they have to offer. And, you know, instead of focusing on like signing the client, you can then just focus on you know, becoming more confident in who you are and what you have to offer and and really just spend time there on practicing being that type of person and embodying those qualities that that type of person has that you think could create the result that you want to create.
0: So one last question, I'm really curious. If I were to be a fly on the wall in your mornings, what is your self-coaching practice look like now?
1: Ooh, this is a great question. And I get asked this all the time, especially by my clients. My self-coaching practice looks really different. I, I know what works for me is not having the same, like doing the same thing every single day. So my self-coaching practice now today looks like a it's a lot of me spending time just thinking <laughs> like me just spending time with myself, with my own mind and asking myself questions, whether those are questions I've spent time thinking about for myself or questions that maybe my coach has asked me. So I'll spend time answering those questions of, you know, maybe a a question my coach asked me on our session, or maybe a question that I've just spent time thinking about. And I'll just sit there and I'll, sometimes I honestly won't even write that much. I'll just really just spend time thinking to myself and in my mind and just, just being really aware of like, what's coming up for me and, and where is my mind kind of going? And then from there, I might, you know, write another question or, you know, make a note of something. But now today I do a lot of self-coaching just in my mind because, you know, I've spent two plus years, you know, honing this practice and this process and, you know just spending time cultivating questions for myself to answer and and spend time thinking about
0: yeah that's so interesting i i'm also very similar in that i can't really do the same thing every morning because then it, it's almost like my brain gets bored and just wants to tune out um but it is really interesting how as the time goes we spend more time just in our internal environment and the writing becomes a lot less But it's, Mm. I think it's really a testament to just getting it more into our bodies during our self-coaching practice and just sitting in that energy and then showing up to your day with that already kind of like practice in your body.
1: Yeah. And even now today, like I'll sometimes, you know, even just grab my phone and I might just be, you know, sitting on the couch and I'll just grab my phone and open up the notes app and just do a brain dump of, you know, something that's coming up for me and self coach myself in the nose app on my phone, or as I go for a walk or, you know, whatever it might be like, whatever works for me or in that moment is what I need is, is what I allow myself to give to myself. I don't say, you know, it has to be in my journal and it has to be, you know, at seven o'clock every morning and I'm going to self-coach for 30 minutes. Like I really just tune into, and you know, some mornings I I might not even self-coach. It might be, you know, something that I do maybe at like two o'clock or maybe after dinner or something like that. And so I really just tune into what I need in that moment and what's going to best serve me. And sometimes it's not sitting with my journal in the morning and just like staring at the the blank page. Like sometimes that's not what's going to actually best serve me. It's actually just getting out of the house and going for a walk. And, you know, then I might have a thought or something that I think about. And, you know, again, I'll open up my, you know, phone and the notes app and just start typing away there and have a breakthrough as I'm going for a walk. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's also really cool to be able to have that tool in your back pocket. Like, I think we take that for granted as coaches that we have our own coaching brain. In our back pocket at all time, that's, that's always there to support us, right? And anything that we want to, that we're going through or we want to process. Yeah, Lauren, anything else that you want to share with us? This has been such a beautiful conversation, um, but I'm curious if there's anything else that's on your heart to share.
1: You know, when I thought about this episode and especially when we had our conversation before you know one of the things that i think you that you said when we were talking about my experience in the modeling industry and you know when i think about my journey in entrepreneurship is you know to to start before you feel ready and to to do the thing that you want to do whether or not it is going to come out as a success or you know and and not being afraid of quote unquote failing right it's like i think a lot of times we can be so afraid of going after a big goal and being afraid of, you know, failing in the process, but really, truly, you cannot get to where you want to be unless you're willing to fail. Right. And so being comfortable and, you know, in the beginning, you might not be comfortable with it, but learning how to be able to fail and, and to let that be okay. Right. Not, not failing. And then, you know, putting yourself down or, you know, oh, you did this wrong or you're never going to get to, you know, where you want to be, like learning how to, to fail your way to, to where you want to be and doing the thing before, before you feel ready.
0: Mm, That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Where can people stay in your world? Where can people find you?
1: So you can come hang out with me over on Instagram at Lauren Tamayo. And over on my website as well, laurentomayo.com. And I also do, as we were kind of talking about today, of thought work and how you can start journaling if that's something that you want to you know, start exploring or even take, take it deeper. I do have a free three-day journaling experience to sign your first or your next paying client. So in this, I show you that you don't need the perfect strategy or niche or, you know, to have your program detailed of session one, we will work on this and session two, we will do this. And I will ask them this question to actually sign your first or your next paying client.
0: Mm -hmm. So good. Definitely. Everyone <laughs> take up Lauren on this free offer. because She is amazing. And I just really appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. I'll see you all in the next episode. Hey, Amiga, real quick. Did you find value in today's episode? If you did, take a screenshot right now, share it on your Instagram story with your biggest takeaways, and be sure to tag me, at the Liberated Latina. This allows me to see what you are most enjoying about the show, and it grows our community of liberated hermanas. Thank you so much for hanging out today. I hope you had as much fun as I did, and I'll catch you in the next one. Besitos.